0: Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It's Saturday, January 30th, 2021. We have Ariel, Feku, Mia, Refluence, myself, and today our focus is on our own Sheridan Lund, a newly minted congressional candidate for New Mexico's 1st District. That is fantastic. So it's nice to see you for the first time, and uh, it's nice to to know you as a candidate for the first time. So welcome <laughs> again for the first time to the show. <laughs>
1: it's It's wonderful to be invited on as a candidate uh I do like my uh job as a as a regular speaker here, but you know watching all these incredible candidates flow through the round table and uh like actually take on really awful people and win well i mean it's just it it seemed like a no brainer to stand up you know
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy to see you jumping into the fray bow tie and all.
1: Indeed. I love bow ties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's a little advantage in, in being memorable. Like immediately people are not gonna forget you if they see you wearing a bow tie. Like, it's I gotta
2: crazy. say, you have a very memorable appearance overall. Like when yeah. I first saw you, I was like, Why have you been hiding behind a marijuana plant all this time? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh just because just uh I, I'm not I'm not all that interested in being in the public's eye. I know I'm running for public office now, yeah. but I wasn't, like, wanting to do this. That's not exactly what I had in my life plan to to be in public office. It just uh, it, the opportunity appeared,
0: And the need. And, definitely uh, the need. That's sir. what really drove. You've got a service-oriented perspective, which is really, that's pretty much most of what we need. So coming Maybe from you're that. You're a
1: completely
2: different kind of politician, and you definitely yeah. are a completely different kind of politician.
1: Very much so. Um, just, just by being how young I am, I, I'm a member of Gen Z, and I am so young that I will bring the average age of the congressional um, member down by over a decade. Wow, wow on your own? On my own, uh, yeah. just by myself winning. That is how old Congress that's is. So if you think that the government sucks, and if you hate your old grandparents that can't understand anything you say... There's probably a good reason and a good correlation between the two.
0: Yeah. We've got the uh, gerontocracy. Yeah. You know? Indeed. Yeah. Like, what, what, was, what is the age difference between you and the incumbent you would replace?
1: So, uh, I don't know who I'm going to replace. Uh, Deb Holland was our incumbent, and she's actually been a pretty good Democrat. Um, but she got uh, tapped to be Biden's uh, cabinet uh, of the interior, secretary of the interior. Oh. Um, that's the name Wow! and uh, she is uh, probably going to get confirmed by the senate so we're going to have a special election in the next uh, couple of months to replace her but it's just going to be the democratic party and the republican party choosing people it's not actually going to be a primary process or any kind of uh, anything more than the duopoly elections we're used to
0: can't stand that well that does Uh, put you in a position to to beat them at the next regular election because they are in a position as an appointee rather than an electee.
1: And this was really the opportunity that I realized, you know, if I want to run, if I want to help push basic income in a more real way than just having a neighborhood organization and getting uh, calls out and getting awareness up, if I actually want to help pass it, then this is the best time to do so. I'm going to make a mark in history. I'm going up against an easy opponent, incumbent-wise. And there's even a few wonderful um, primary challengers alongside me who are even further left of me. So this entire context is brilliant for uh, someone like myself. So
2: you're the
0: centrist? Yeah, yeah. I'm the centrist. Interesting. Good. Good. I was saying, uh, I was proposing sort of the campaign slogan, something along the lines of... uh, not left versus right, but top versus bottom. So that's a good, uh... I'm
1: definitely going to bring that up because it's so blatant now. Um,
0: since the, the especially
1: the, uh, GameStop fiasco with Robinhood. Um, it is so flagrantly top versus bottom right now. If you have lawyers, if you have accountants, if you have access to these advanced, uh, government tools, then you are on the side of the rich and very wealthy. And everyone else just has to do their best on their own. And it's pretty dang uh, grotesque right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. We're all living it. and uh,
2: so It's it- all anybody can talk about, really, for the
0: past is, couple of so Yeah, we've been working for a while. We have to get you the full backing of whatever everyone on the show can get for you. Uh, starting with um, is, so, the model of camera I right. is- use. <laughs> <laughs> But Uh, No, 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 it's just like uh, a low-resolution quality picture, and that makes a big difference because people really respond to all these subconscious cues about production value, and your words are going to have a much greater impact if you look like you optionally presented a picture. It's, you know, nothing. So so
3: the good news is that there's not going to be an incumbent. Because, like, yes. that's that I love. So, so, what do the other people running have for them? It's like I'm just your average, boring, run-of-the-mill, uh, talking point, repeating nobody that so, you until, know. <laughs> until
1: until uh, Deb Holland gets uh, approved by the Senate, we're probably not going mm. to uh, get the Democratic uh, incum- incumbent that mm. uh, the Dem Party is going to push. But so Mm -hmm. far, there's another challenger named Celinda Guerrero, who has been a longtime organizer, really cool person. And I agree with her on a lot of things. Though the way we want to get to our goals are what really differentiate us. Um, She is focused a lot more on social change and uh, changing the regulations of a lot of uh, our institutions. While I am for enforcing the regulations that we already have at a greater degree, and creating new institutions to catch everything that we are missing. But that's in a nutshell, uh, her versus me. And then the Democratic Party is going to be the status quo, do nothing.
3: Yeah. So, how so, much wait, of your so platform
2: sh- do you sh- have developed already? Oh, sorry.
3: Oh, so, I just want to ask, Jared, well, you're in your twenties right now. Yes. Yeah, I will
1: okay. be nearly definitionally eligible for Congress when I uh, take wow. the oath of office. I'll be twenty-five years and nine months old. Nice. All right. Um, yeah.
2: So, um, I was wondering, how much of your platform have you got developed so far, and what do you have like built for yourself for your campaign run? I know it's a ways off, so I'm not yeah, sure. it is yet. a ways
1: off. We're we're uh, two years out, but we're starting strong. Um, we already have a website up. We have um, our five core plan or five point core plan, um, which is to cut income taxes in half, get every American two thousand dollars a month, get every American the American Doctor Network to get every American uh, college for all and to pay down our debt with new taxes. So
0: the American doctor network, I've never heard of it before. It's a new
1: spin on Medicare for all. Um, Essentially we are going to force every doctor into a single government funded network that every American can opt into. There will still be private insurance, uh, but every doctor will have uh, the American network as part of their core um, insurances.
0: But it's discreet from Medicare.
1: Uh, I think I'd rather position it as a reframing because Medicare for all is such a fantastic plan. It's better than most uh, national health care services across the world. It includes vision and dental and it includes um, long term terminal care. So I think Medicare for all really is the right way to go. But we need to point out to people that you're not giving up your insurance. You're not giving up your doctor. Every doctor will be available to you. That's the difference. Gotcha. That makes sense.
2: Okay, that is uh, that was very informative. Um,
1: uh, though I am still working on like a, a a gear store, so I'm looking for a good uh, drop shipping uh, service for shirts, hats, pins, just lightweight things.
2: I have no idea about any of that, but it's I'm sure a, that there's got to be somebody who does.
0: Drop shipping is a type of of uh, reselling, like like you yeah. set a store, and I'll something like Amazon, and then you. Uh, you provide merchandise for a third party. Yeah, so, well, yeah. it
1: depends on the drop shipping style. Some drop shipping is just straight reselling, um, but oftentimes that's called affiliate marketing. Uh, yeah. Drop shipping is generally you're doing some alteration or value addition and then reselling it, like creating a logo for a t shirt or reselling a branded hat. So. But, yeah, drop shipping is you don't take any inventory. It just gets shipped straight from the manufacturer to the person who ordered it. You just take your middleman fee for uh, putting it all together.
0: Have you looked at anybody? Do you have any uh, drop shippers? I'm thinking
1: about uh, Printify. Um, I'm thinking about uh, doing uh, one that I have um, currently off Patreon, maybe. But I'm trying to find a lower cost uh, solution because I need yeah. as much money as I can going into this campaign and getting my message out to more people. Do you have your
2: campaign logo picked and everything for your merch? Not
1: quite yet. I'm still working on that. I'm going to get with a visual artist and uh, figure out what my logo is going to look like. I have a few ideas for campaign signs. um, And uh, I already have a a campaign manager, um, and he's super cool. So, uh, yeah. Uh, My campaign is also officially filed with the FEC, so the People's Party for Lund 2022 is an officially... uh, federally recognized campaign
2: and you're running under the people's party which is an independent Uh, party trying to form recently correct
1: i I am not running under the people's party although i did take their moniker to help build their own uh uh brand awareness for people um it's just the name of my committee it's not actually uh affiliated with any party
0: i'm going to be running
1: in the democratic primary
2: gotcha okay so what that clarifies some things thank you
0: yes so you are telling a little bit about your campaign manager last night, but um, for everybody here, why don't you tell uh, us a little yeah. bit about your campaign manager?
1: Uh, he's a really cool guy. He has some uh, managerial bank of America, Target, um, and a Ooh. few other big box stores. Uh, his name is Clee Washington, and uh, he's a really, really cool guy. He actually went out to Iowa when Yang went out there and was doing his, his uh, door knocking. So he actually has a lot of ground experience with a, a larger scale campaign than what I'm going to be running. So yeah. it's, it's an invaluable addition to my team.
0: I would love yeah, to uh, have him on the show sometime.
1: Oh, yeah, he will be. He's just, he's feeling a bit under the weather right now. So he's getting some rest.
2: That's good. Always self-care first.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I, I, I want my team members functioning at the top of their game. Otherwise, I don't really want them, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so on that note, um, what do you, you have? I mean, it's early days, but have you thought much about the strategy for defeating the establishment? Because that's the real, the real big challenge here. You have to have some creative I'm, thinking.
1: I'm going to take the lead from Black Lives Matters and the amazing um, black organizers in Georgia. Register people to vote. I mean, we have such a low voting um, participation. That if you register people to vote with your campaign and get them actually knowing about who you are or at least some semblance of what the political life is, then you pretty much have their vote. And as long as you keep registering more people than your incumbent can possibly pull up, then you're going to win. The math just works.
0: Yeah, that's a really good strategy when you're dealing with a huge age gap. Um, you want to get you know voters that aren't going to well, probably actually, aren't going to vote.
1: In Mexico, Specifically, District 1 is amazingly well-balanced. We have, like, 15% of every age group. Um, with, a, like, I think there's 2% more um, in the 60 to 70 range, but it's, like, not that much. Like, we are a very well-balanced demographic. So it's going to be... It's, it's just about engagement, getting people into the political process.
0: Yeah, that is the strategy that
3: is needed. Um, so what is a District 1 in, in Compass? Is that Albuquerque or something? Or?
1: Yes, it encompasses um, all of Albuquerque. Um, it goes up to Placidas, goes all the way out to Encino, um, goes oh, cool. over to Mountain Air, and then cuts across the mountains to catch Valencia, and then goes back up to Albuquerque. So we got this weird little... Like, uh, uh, the other Faye was mentioning... Uh, no, sorry, Faye Koo here was mentioning it looks like a uh, Scottish uh, terrier. So that's that's kind of the shape of our district.
3: <laughs> nice. Uh, no, it weird. doesn't look that gerrymandered, so that's... Oh, it's
1: not, and that's honestly, don't... Uh, oh, no. There is gerrymandering. Uh, lives so sparsely that mm. some areas... You, to, you can actually see that District 1 used to take up all of n- the north half of New Mexico, uh, half of a senator punk around closer to Albuquerque as New Mexico has gotten more popular and as people have moved here
3: The the only thing that I can remember Albuquerque by is it was always that city that Bugs Bunny made the wrong turn in or something like that. sure yeah
0: <laughs> or, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I, I, it is kind of embarrassing <laughs> to go on vacation
0: Some of them them genuinely think that. That's just hilarious. I mean, that's like, actually, I don't even know. It is hilarious, but it's also (laughs) upsetting. (laughs) It really, really uh, is. It's it's too bad that uh, people think that.
2: You really look like the kind of guy who deals in pesos, man.
0: Yeah, (laughs) sure. (laughs) I I
3: will say, I I do own a hefty amount of
1: good dollars, so, you know, you're not far off. Uh,
3: Yeah.
1: You're looking you oh, working at a hey. shop, I'd say.
3: Uh, actually, funny.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, a pinstriping. Should I, should I get solid? <laughs> it's
0: the pinstriping. Sh- the, 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 the pinstripes. It's a combination. I feel like I could order soda from you from a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps I could order a you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you can definitely order some basic income from me. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's that's the best order I I intend to, uh, especially once we get the vaccine widely distributed, and New Mexico is going to be one of the first states that will be reaching herd immunity. So it's very exciting. Um, That's good. But but once we are there, um, I'm going to start rallying and organizing hard in the second half of this year. And I'm going to take all that experience to Washington, Mm D.C., and organize that entire town around cash.
0: That's what you got to do. I mean, there are... You know them. They're they're yeah. your neighbors, your, your statesmen. Yeah. People is, who are yeah. our ages, who are living in desperate poverty, yeah. hopeless. You can find them and you can get them yeah. to vote for you because they have never voted or they used to vote and they stopped. Yeah. Or they you're like... I, I'm, I, sure I'm sure... sure. I'm, I'm,
1: sure. sure. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at...
0: at once at, uh, once, uh, you, once you do have herd immunity, you're going to be able to go to, you know, to find uh, every city in your district, meet the people who are there, who are engaged, who are are part of the community and aren't engaged politically and could help the community. You're going to find them. it be really exciting to round up all these people who are there, disenfranchised. They just don't know each other. You're going to connect them all.
1: Absolutely. That's that's the plan is to get yeah. uh, District 1 to be its one big community that's of right. over half a million people.
0: That is what it, that's what that's a congressional representative should be. It's a leadership position. You connect it, those people. You know, you know, You know your constituency. It's not like so- it is...
3: Today, like, it shouldn't be like this today I, I i was thinking like like a like a young blonde uh abe lincoln like <laughs> a house without basic income cannot stand at all <laughs> oh, a champagne slogan. <laughs>
4: or a house divided against itself just needs ubi <laughs>
3: Right, yeah. <laughs> a
1: nation that it against itself really does need a little bit of confidence. And that's it.
3: Yeah.
4: So, Sheridan, I was listening to uh, everyone describing, you know, the, your congressional district. And I actually have quite a bit of uh, travel time coming in and out of uh, Albuquerque mm-hmm. to visit friends who used to live there. And oh, yeah. I find it to be a very unique geographical area with a unique history. And just all sorts of wonderful things. Can you just kind of introduce Albuquerque to us a little bit and people will, you know, understand, like, what are your best, uh, for example, uh, when you come into Albuquerque, you find that it's very, very high up. It's it's like yeah. the altitude is so high compared to other places. So that, uh, uh,
1: we, yeah. we have a district in Albuquerque called the Mile High District, which is right at uh, 5,500 feet. Um, And, uh, yeah, you're right. It is, it is very different driving up here. Um, first off, New Mexico is a high desert. So we have very little water, but we're very elevated. So it's a lot colder than you would think of as a desert. So it's really nice. Most of the year, um, you do still have four distinct seasons, uh, and, they're pretty light. Like the winters here aren't bad at all. You, the worst we get is like two or three inches of snow on one day, and it, it's gone by the afternoon.
4: But that high altitude makes uh, feels like the air is difficult to breathe. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's, a, it's the same as any high altitude uh, area like Colorado or um, uh, what's that, what's another one like up by the uh, uh, Appalachians. They, they're also very high, and the air is thin, yes. It does take some time to acclimatize, but once you do, it's it's wonderful being here. Um, as you it's were mentioning...
4: Because, uh, other places that have this high altitude, you think of them as being mountainous, but Albuquerque is very flat, and it's just and very...
1: The city, the city is very city flat. Itself. We are right next to the Sandia Mountains, which is a wonderful uh, mountainscape um, that actually like nearly uh it's it's hard to describe because of the way the city is built it feels like the mountain kind of wraps around the city but it's just if you look at it from a map it's just a single ridge uh, along a fault line so it it looks from the city like it's wrapping around and like hugging the city but when you're from outside the city it just looks like a shale coming up and you can see like a wonderful hill so we've got lots to sightsee here
4: it's the watermelon, the watermelon mountains. Yeah. <laughs> Sandia. Yep. It's
1: <Sandia.
3: laughs> watermelon,
4: in, um, I think, in Spanish. And so you guys have... Sangria? Uh, no, no, Sandia, Sandia.
0: Sandia. And so yeah. anyway... It's a site. But you have... Those geographic you, formations.
4: Not only that, but you have, like, unusual... Like, for example, the Rio Grande passes through Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. We think of the Rio Grande as being, you know, a Texan thing. Nobody else has one, <laughs> just us.
3: <So. laughs>
1: well, we think about that specifically because uh, the Rio Grande is the major border definition for Texas as a national border. Um, but the Rio Grande is a important river for all of the Southwest, um, especially historically. Uh, Albuquerque has always been a crossroads town, even before the Big Eye and the interstate got built. Uh, we were the main uh, crossroads hub uh, north and south for the new uh, um, settlers when we were expanding our country in the beginning. And we've been, had a, a long uh, east-west uh, road connecting both the um, Mexican nation at the time with the American nation. And, of course, we purchased this area. So all of it's America now. Um, I do want to stress that New Mexicans are Americans, like we aren't some other country, we are a state,
4: but I think uh I think the area of Albuquerque was actually colonized by the Spaniards, and there was, was. some some really interesting history with that also I think <laughs> uh, but uh let's just let's talk about a little bit about how um you know well for me, like the Rio Grande. To me, is supposed to be this vast, you know. It's grande, it's big. Well, it is very long, but by the time you see it in the Albuquerque area, it's like nearing the origins, and it's uh, it's very Mm. actually kind of a trickle at this point. It's like kind of, it feels like it's Uh, very. I I
1: wouldn't quite call our river a trickle, but yes, it is much. (laughs) It is much smaller than uh, the Rio Grande by the uh, Texan border, emptying into the Gulf.
4: Yeah, like we think of it as this huge raging, you know, thing that it would be difficult to cross. But you guys actually have a different version of it. And uh, yeah. you have... <laughs> it's just like so interesting for me to pass through there. Do you have like favorite like restaurants and things like that in the town or?
1: Oh, yeah, I think I think uh, my favorite restaurant chain is a New Mexican chain. It's called Twister's. Twisters, uh, interesting. Yeah, they sell burritos, burgers, and it is just quintessentially New Mexican uh, food. Uh, do they
4: do they sell the you know do they sell the Christmas uh, green chili and red chili uh, or
1: or is yep. this yeah, honestly when you're in New Mexico mm-hmm. everywhere has green chili. It is everywhere. a New Mexican <laughs> staple. It is such a fantastic vegetable. It is in everything. And I do not think I can live without it. Like, I'm going to have to take a case to DC, you know? Okay, so is it
4: going to be red? Yeah. So, are you red, green, or no, Christmas? No, I I'm
1: know. A, I'm a green guy. I'm green. It has a lot more flavor, uh, whereas the red is a lot more of a kick.
4: I see. So I
3: don't
1: your video quality.
3: His video quality has gotten better. It's no longer pixelated. It must so, have been a bandwidth issue then. Yeah. I might. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, suddenly I just focused on you. I
0: thought you needed a new camera. I mean, you still will benefit from a new camera, but if your camera is much better than I thought it was. It was just your okay. bandwidth at first that made it look like you were from
1: 1998. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry right. for having a terrible bandwidth. Well, um, oh, you know, maybe
0: that's something you can address as a congressman. <laughs> I, I <honestly laughs> yeah.
1: do have a yes. big rural broadband issue, yeah. but. My district is actually pretty modernized. Uh, We do have a lot of rural um, ranchers out uh, on the other side of the Sandias, but they still have fantastic internet, like as fantastic as the city does. So uh, it's definitely a concern, but it's a concern I'm going to be joining my congressional reps on as a state rather than just my district. My district Yeah.
3: If you don't mind, so, so what's your like educational background, but it's, it's like what, yeah, what, what, what you uh, study there?
1: Um, I've actually studied a lot of different things. Uh, I started out, uh, going for my business degree to, uh, open up a small business and start, um, you know, making my community and my life a little bit better, uh, As I was going through that, I started to take some political science classes, some uh, um, chemical and biology classes, and some more mixed science classes. Um, And I was honestly uh, shifted, did a major shift in my education. I'm sorry, my cat is just very cute and wanting attention right now, but I don't want him in in the shot
3: because
1: he will steal the wide, you know. (laughs) Anyways, um, where was I? Oh, going for my business degree uh, in the mixed sciences. um, And I uh, got my first associates in integrated studies from CNM, which is a great little community college here in Albuquerque. Uh, As I was trying to open up my small business, I realized I needed a little bit more cash flow um, from Mm. something that was more technically proficient. So I could actually like fund my adventures to, you know, start getting them going. Uh, Mainly rent, like getting an actual space is incredibly difficult and expensive. So I shifted my education into uh, the electrical trades and I started learning to be an electrician. And I'm actually pretty good. Uh, I got a job as an electrician building some manufactured homes. But unfortunately, that company uh, went under. Um, so I, uh, yeah,
3: now I'm looking at,
1: uh, politics, uh, right.
3: Yeah. I I love how you mentioned that because like I studied, uh, uh, like I got my uh, associates in broadcasting, then in communication. And right now it's like, this is a podcasting thing. So I love it. But the thing is, and then, then when I found out that, that the work was really hard to come by, I went through a training program at a local YWCA that taught me 3D printing. And I and I loved uh, 3D printing. It's funny, that same program where I learned 3D printing hired me as a TA, but it was only for like 300 hours. And then when the hours ran out, there was nothing more for me to, to do. But I think it's important that if there are these training programs out there, we have to make sure that... Their, their their um levels of uh uh what is it getting people work isn't the job placements rates aren't zero to fifteen percent and people have to be compensated if they go through a training program and there's nothing left well, at the end of uh, sadly yeah. I, I do
1: think that training programs especially ones that, that want to be worth their salt should provide some capital and uh, job connection to their trainees so that they can actually be a part for talent. But most uh, just are trying to make a business like anyone else. And that's really Uh, where basic income can help, is to help reduce the uh, need to create these businesses just for money. While there still will be a lot of scam artists and a lot of scamming, there won't be honest people trying to do a fake thing for money, like a lot of these fly-by-night training institutions are.
4: Uh, so you, I think your, your training that you received, Ariel and uh, Sheridan, I mean, is still going to serve you. It's just not um, leading towards that remunerative job right now. And so it's yeah. interesting uh, that, you know, the, the population should be allowed to uh, train themselves in whatever is interesting to them, whatever they're good at. And it will still serve us if, we, um, if we're able to, you know, not have to right. worry about just survival Like every day, yeah.
1: Like what makes it unfair? uh, His job had a uh, set number of hours that uh, Mm -hmm. he had, and then once he was done with mm -hmm. them, there was no more work to do for that job. A lot of jobs across our economy are like that, where once you're done with the job, the job is over. The capital is built, the infrastructure is there. There's only a few jobs proportionally that are recurring enough to provide a real living. So that's really the need for a basic income. It's not it's more along the lines that there isn't enough recurring work for people that to have a strong right. living.
4: And right a construction worker
1: shouldn't have to text.
4: Yeah, a construction worker shouldn't have to keep constructing more and more if we've built, you know, six yeah, times exactly. more than the number of homes uh, we need I mean, for all the homeless people. I mean, people. and,
3: and not, not to mention that our former president did not pay his contractors. I don't even want to mention his uh, name. Oh, many, he did not. many times. He, he, right. He, our,
1: our previous president was such a con artist and such a grifter. He could have kept doing the same scam for decades, but he's going to be in jail mm. in the next year. Right. And, and
3: here's the thing that pisses me off. I think there should also be like a job seekers like bill of rights in this country. I honestly think there should be a job seekers bill of rights because if you waste the job seekers time by making them fill out forums, making them do interviews, making them, you know, drive somewhere, making them do this, this and that. And then all of a sudden you say, Oh, we just decided we don't care. And then where where that that person just has to deal with it they have to be remunerated somehow some way because everybody talks about the exploitation of people who already have jobs but nobody talks about the exploitation of job seekers or those who are just getting in the market for the first time and are trying to build up uh
1: one thing that i will definitely remark on is uh unpaid internships should not be a thing Because if you are, if you are committing labor, you should be getting paid for that labor. It's, it's anti-capitalist to enslave someone. And that's what you're doing by doing uh, unpaid internships, by having job seekers apply and do actual labor without compensating them for it. And I have seen this a lot. It's almost an industry practice to have a job seeker uh, do part of a job as part of an interview. And that can be great in some respects, but if you're having them be as part of a, uh, a, a review time where they will be working for free or like an internship time, that's absolutely very wrong. And I, I agree. We need to enforce our laws that provide workers these protections, but I don't think that we need to create a whole new set, of, a whole new bill of rights for workers or job seekers specifically, I think we need to create an economic bill of rights for every American to live a safe, comfo- comfortable, life with our society.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Regardless of like in employment, regardless of employment, it, because because of just the way it is right now, it shouldn't be a prerequisite to dignity
1: dignity is just it really should. it's such a near it's such a neoliberal view to think that know. if someone doesn't have a job or isn't paying taxes, they aren't worthy of our franchise and that's what voter ID laws do that's what the right to work laws do. Um, so many of our laws are put in place to enforce this you must have a job to participate in our government mentality. One of the
2: big problems with uh, applications, like you were talking about, Ariel, um, is how competitive right now it is to try and get any job. So they can make you jump through those hoops, and they need to make you jump through the hoops because they have to narrow down the field somehow. And the only way they can do that when they've got people who all look the same on paper is to continuously call you in and call you in and whittle you down until they're down to just who they need.
1: So it's a
2: situation that's... um a problem for them, too. They don't want to call in that many people, but they got to make a choice somehow.
1: Indeed. And that's another uh, thing that I talk about a lot when I talk about basic income, making the labor market better, is because we don't actually need or even want everyone to apply to a job. We do actually need some level of unemployment so that when someone who has a great idea or has an amazing innovation, they have a ready workforce that can actually do their job for that they need at scale. Um, that's why a basic income is such a powerful tool. It provides these people who may go for a entry level job or an underqualified or uh, a job they're overqualified for, or a uh, opportunity that's not exactly safe for them. They can say, "No, I'll wait one more month. I have two thousand dollars coming." Yeah
2: instead of competing over the worst jobs and praying that they don't get rotated out.
1: Exactly.
3: Exactly. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I saw like a, a comedy on TV, but it might as well be this. Like the manager said, I'm so hard in choosing who the employee of the month is for our fast food place. There's only one way to settle this. You two are going to just have to fight to the death to be employee of the month. (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> like it's like a joke but like, yeah it, <laughs> this should not be a reality
1: and sadly that's that really is the reality right now like uh someone was mentioning that the fight for 15 isn't even a fight anymore because $15 is no longer a living wage
2: it wasn't when they were fighting for it in the first place if it had kept up with inflation uh, when they were first proposing a and- $15 minimum wage it would have been $21 it, an hour
3: it, it's only it doesn't even matter though because they're just going to cut hours um um mm-hmm. I, as you all know i was a former employee of best buy and i'm looking at their reddit right now and it's pandemonium. Just <laughs> they, they say that they they already have like fifteen dollars and all this reorganizing and restructuring. They're not even told when they're let go. They check into they they check. They see they have no access to their online app and to their online login information. And the GM didn't even tell them. They're forcing people to sign these reg- resignation letters so they can't get unemployment. To say like, look, or they just try to whittle people down on purpose so they quit so they can't apply for unemployment. It's sick. It is grotesque.
1: It it really is. And uh, the sad truth right now is with our labor market and having a current scarcity environment, companies can treat employees like that and be completely fine. It's actually more of an industry standard now because of that. If people had cash to turn down these terrible jobs, companies would start losing employees like actually not finding
3: workers that want to work for them. And rightfully so. So
2: what are jobs like in your area, Sheridan, since we are uh, addressing your congressional run here?
3: Well,
1: uh, our state and our district are very different economies, uh, or my district and my state. Um, I don't mean to speak with our. You guys are all over the nation. Um, New Mexico is a pretty oil-dependent state. Um, but that's more the rural areas of our state, like uh, northern New Mexico, where that giant uh, oil basin was discovered a couple years back. Um, but for the city, it's a lot more of the uh, normal urban service industry. Um, we do have a lot of construction, um, and which is why uh, New Mexico specifically would benefit a lot from a basic income. Is we have so much land area and so much uh, land value that re- real estate developers love making neighborhoods in our state. Um, but unfortunately, we're running into a uh, affordability problem out there in the rural areas where people aren't able to like actually buy these houses that are being built. Um, so it's it's becoming a liquidity crunch all over. Uh, just like the rest of the nation, where we just need cash to start paying down the debts that we've accrued. I mean, they're good debts, but they are debts nonetheless. Uh, New Mexico especially would benefit from more federal expenditure. Um, we, on average, take in a $2.03 for every dollar we send back to the Fed in tax money. So we would easily uh, see 3 to 4% uh, GDP state GDP growth once we have uh, a basic income flowing because we are just uh, so underutilized right now
4: that's pretty impressive
1: yeah it, so, it, it's it's really a unique situation I'm in
4: <laughs> Sheridan did you grow up in you in the Albuquerque district that you're representing or no um I've
1: I've been I've been in this district for uh, the past oh my gosh it's been 11 years. I've been here. It's been eleven years that I've been in in this district. Um were you before? I was in Georgia before. Um, I, oh. I'm a military brat, so uh, I jumped all over the nation as my dad got redeployed cool. to different places. Uh, I was born in Texas, but only stayed there for like a year, and then went over to you know Iceland that. for a few. And then joined- yeah, oh, cool. Iceland, yeah,
4: cool. You got but- to be. Was- You've gotten to go to some of my favorite. The Places I've always wanted to go. Awesome. But you were Indeed. so little, you probably didn't have much I, I only have a handful
1: of memories from there. Mm-hmm. Um, a really good story about me as a kid, though, because uh, Iceland has one bug, and it's the housefly. That's ah. the only bug in the entire island. Incredible. So, wow. And uh, I was so young, I was terrified of all bugs at the time. So anytime there would be like a swarm of flies flying by and they do swarm like there are thousands of flies in these clouds I'm like damn, it may be their only bug but they are proliferate yes so uh
4: <laughs> at I, least I, it's I, not the skeeter like it is for in alaska So
2: <laughs> here's my new nightmare thank you for introducing us
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome so but they're they're just flies so i am terrified of these swarms as a kid right but my parents are so exhausted from having me like ru- run away from these harmless bugs, they uh get some uh, nail polish, and they tell me it's a special fly repellent, and they paint it on my thumb, and I go all over the place, uh, like attacking bushes of flies and scaring flies away, because now I have
3: this superpower.
4: <laughs> yeah, it worked. Your superpower was uh, uh, helped you.
3: Oh, that's funny. Oh, um, that's- okay.
4: Excellent parenting
3: there. Yeah, then
1: I went to uh, Georgia, and I was there for uh, quite a while, like uh, six years, Um, and then uh, came here. But honestly, uh, I think my nephews have had a way cooler uh, time with their military dad. Uh, They've gone all the way over to Germany and stayed Hmm. there for a few years. They even know a little bit of German. Hmm. So I think that's Well, I heard
4: that Icelandic is a much harder language to learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I'd even, for I'm Americans, very, oh, I, I have no. I, I mean, have a couple I
4: mean, of
3: Iceland coins, but that's that's it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that would be like the one barrier that would be difficult I, I,
3: for me. I, I, I mean, like every everybody kind of travels to like mainland Europe and like England and stuff, but like Iceland is more interesting because it's like it's not. Like nobody really goes there, so well, I'd, ra- I'd, I'd rather kind of like say that uh, thing. Like, that's if you I get me
4: started it. on Iceland, will never end. So, <laughs> so I love, yeah, there I love is the a, land of uh, Iceland. Has a the lot going for it.
1: It is, it is a great, it is a great little
3: nation.
4: Yeah, um, there's just so much that's unique about it. And, like they, and it they,
3: they, they, uh, j- they jailed their bankers. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Uh, it's like. <laughs>
4: That's that, and they were also the place of the women's movement. I mean, if we talk politics, it's also unique in that it has the Pirate Party that it actually has you know seated members of Congress and uh, for in their congr- in their Congress. I mean, it just goes on I and on. Party, so much, too much excellence over there.
1: That is, that is yeah. too much excellence. Like, uh, so uh, don't don't be don't be talking of Iceland to me now. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> May want to go I'm back.
1: Being <laughs> a member of the uh, Pirates Party is uh, something that's pretty incredible.
4: I think that's very interesting. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your positions. Right now, yes. I know that UBI is your primary. That that's yes.
1: it, it, well, it's technically my number two. Oh,
4: technically well then what's number one?
1: Technically, cutting income tax in half is my number one. But that's such a, a standard mm. politician thing. Yeah, basic income is, is yeah. really my number one.
2: Well, and you're thing saying is, cut taxes half, though, You're not saying it in like for the reasons that, like, say. Yes, I,
1: I specifically am talking about cutting income tax specifically in half. That's it. My platform does okay. include uh, new taxes that will help pay down our debt, but I feel that income tax is an immoral tax. Why in any capitalist country would you want to mm. have the government tell its citizens if you work hard? If you do your best, if you love helping others, we're going to take a share of that.
3: Yeah, like, yeah. That's, how is that at all okay? This, this is this is really funny. Like, like um, I'm gonna get like pay, like holidays, and then I saw that. I
2: curious question though: how, how do you people who are making income, income less of what is
1: reasonable? Well, for human I life? I do have one exception for people who tax bracket. Uh, for income of 69% but so many wealthy people avoid income tax entirely that it's really kind of a redundant thing just to say for uh, more moderate working class people to say yeah our income tax is getting cut but the rich are getting a higher income tax the way that they will really pay is through a value-added tax because it's a consumption tax on everything everything in our uh, economy Will be paying a value-added tax, with the exception of basic goods that get exempted. Um, but no billionaire is going to be buying like a million apples, so are not exactly escaping that. that tax.
2: I'm very glad you clarified that. Our friend Refluence there oh. uh, gave you the thumbs down at first when he heard you saying no income tax for anybody.
1: But, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, but 69. I'm, I'm a capitalist, and I feel very strongly that you should pay your fair share and that you should know yeah, taxes. what you're paying and not use debt to pay for it. But taxes are good. Different taxes are uh, applied differently to different people. So that's why income tax, I think, is an immoral tax. It's uh, not right to tax someone's income, but it's absolutely right to tax someone who spends their money. If you are spending your money or if you're making money on money, like financial markets... They right. need to see a special tax. just Why don't for them. we
3: see like a special shorting tax? Oh, I don't think who, who, a shorting tax
1: is really what we need. The GameStop fiasco that happened was because laws were not enforced. The hedge fund was illegally shorting these stocks. They're using naked shorts which allow you to technically sell shorts. more than the company has in its shares. So that's how they were able naked. to lose so much money is because we, we just weren't enforcing our laws. And that's what I, I mean. Like I wanted, at, the, at
4: the term naked shorts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. uh, cast myself slightly uh, different to Celinda here. Cause she also is uh, in agreement here that we need to uh, properly tax financial markets and, uh, Though I am for enforcing the laws that we currently have on the books before we start making new ones. Because if you are already illegally manipulating the market, then new laws aren't going to exactly stop you from manipulating the market.
2: So basically, um, you're saying we just let them get away with whatever we want and we'd be doing the world a great deal of service by simply enforcing the rules already on the books, and we'd see a large improvement if we were just well, doing that in the first place. Let me,
1: let me allow it to be even simpler. If the government paid the IRS more, we wouldn't have any of the money issues we have now. We are uh, at such a scale that we are not enforcing the law. That even if we paid these, comp- these institutions, we have just a little bit more we would actually see a return on our tax investment. That's right. how bad
3: our but enforcement is right now. Have you heard well, of the financialization of our economy? Like, I, I really think with all this like games that are played with like money that already exists and these billions of dollars, it's basically just leeching all this value out of our economy, but it doesn't create any real tangible anything. It's just a parlor trick, you know, like all these shorts and all these like del- well, derivatives. And stuff. The,
1: like, the public stock is- market is called a casino for the rich very aptly because the public stock market is about a uh, public perception of companies and it's designed to help the masses invest in good, strong companies and provide retirements for after they stop working. But unfortunately, the wealthy have gamed the system so hard that it really is all about volatile price watching and hearsay. It's no longer about building strong retirements or having public perceptions strengthening our economy. And I I actually go a bit further to say it's where money goes to die. The public (laughs) markets are where money eyes. because it is not being spent on productive assets; it is being spent on speculation.
2: Because if it were being um, regulated, if it were really a free market, then what these people did—the public showing an interest in saving a company and investing in it and screwing over these hedge fund managers—would be being celebrated right now. By it would
1: be. Managers. It really would yes. um, especially by the major media. If we had journalism that was publicly funded. But because our journalism is not, because our journalism is funded through advertising and through very bare market mechanics, those market mechanics have and will still be abused by very wealthy people. That's why our major, med- major media networks have had such a negative tone to retail investors. Even though retail investors are the mom and pop shop that like GameStop.
3: Right it's, it's, it's so, sure you sound like such a professor it's like it's so refreshing to get this yeah. kind of like talking instead of just you know playing on people's emotions like all these other people that we have in Congress it's uh, just to get you well, up uh, against the other side you know I, I do
1: have to uh, forewarn you that uh, you'll start to slowly see me shift because uh, there's a reason that politics play on emotions like that it's because politics is playing to the masses. And as wonderful as a long-form intellectual interview is, the masses don't spend that kind of time on it. No, they
2: they
0: just have their daily lives. Right? Let's, let's get you a stylist for the masses. Uh, no, 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 no. So, yeah, <laughs> will it, I would, I would make it. Uh, Send them to 2022com yeah. yeah.
1: I, I will hire, you know? You're,
0: you're a beautiful canvas, so much work with. But,
1: um, you will hire?
0: You, Seriously, I wanted to follow up something that was touched on a few minutes ago. Um it's a great position in theory to say, I believe in enforcing the, the laws in the books before making law more, but, but the position in the legislature makes it a difficult position because your power is to make new laws. No. We no. Okay. I mean, so, so it's, it's hard to enforce the extant laws. How do you do that as a legislator? So, uh, while
1: yes, as a legislator, I am distanced from the executive. It does not mean I don't have influence on the executive, especially yeah. as a representative. Representatives have the power of the purse. So if we want to do any major uh, budgetary changes or any major um, revenue uh, raising, it has to start in the House. So I can get my hands directly on tax bills, directly on uh, finance bills, directly on a basic income bill. And the way that you do it as a legislature to help enforce more laws is you legislate more money to law enforcement not uh state law enforcement you know municipalities and the police power that's funded by property taxes at a state level but for the irs for the fbi for um the sec all these federal level agencies can absolutely get more money coming to them or have contingency money or um yeah uh money that comes with uh
4: it's earmarked ahead of time and it can only be used for certain things
1: earmarked uh, money for doing specific operations um like recouping amazing amounts of tax money from financial markets which have been largely untaxed like it is spectacular how much money you can get and not pay taxes on it in financial markets especially once you are at such a scale that you become a hedge fund um This latest uh, GameStop fiasco actually exposed a lot and why people are now calling uh, what has happened, as it rightfully is, a class war. We are in a class war between the rich haves and the poor have-nots. GameStop exposed it by showing that the haves who have access to uh, courts, lawyers, And enforcement of these contracts, like Robinhood has, allows them to literally manipulate their services. So Robinhood went dark for a few hours on GameStop stock um, and AMC, preventing people from buying more of it because Robinhood is owned by Citadel, who owns Melvin Capital Group. And Melvin Capital Group is the hedge fund that we're all laughing at. So Citadel leaned on Robinhood to stop uh letting people buy GameStop so that Melvin could quickly change their short orders to buy orders and save 6 billion dollars.
4: So, yeah, I saw on Paget server somebody was yeah. saying uh I saw on Paget server that uh she had posted um, you know, just a random person who was saying that uh, you know, watching out for currently even more games to be played that the you know major hedge hedge funds and stuff they can get together and just keep selling it back and forth to each other at lower and lower prices just so that it looks like uh, you know the prices are trending down and terrify people to stop holding their stock
3: this is this is a problem think about it as like default settings in a video game if you start the game with like one million health and one million ammo and like th- those guys on the other side start the game with like fifty health and fifty ammo, like you're like it's it's impossible. What what are you supposed to do? Instead of here, we're not talking about ammo, we're talking about money. But not but, only and and that's what it is.
4: Not only you start out with fewer resources, so you're taking on a behemoth. Uh, but once you once you get into it, then all of a sudden they're like, hey. We'll just have the developers change the game for us for a second, you know.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what we're at. They, we can just will just the, prevent them from shooting We can just go losing, into the, sourced, you know? the, the 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 source code and change the algorithms and stuff.
4: Can, now we're getting into Matrix?
3: If you ever ever watch the movie, if you ever watch the movie like Wreck It Ralph, like King Candy went into the source code to make that girl who. <laughs> a glitch like you went in there and this is this is this is the kind of power that they have they go into the source codes and they and they start pushing these buttons and it's not it's it, it might as well be magic it might as well just be cheating it you is know? it really
1: is and you know i personally find that that is a truly magical attribute of capitalism where you can go and suddenly change something that's working terribly but when you have such radical changes to the game, when it's actually an entire market that someone is trying to provide, then yeah, you're, you're not even playing capitalism anymore. You're just stealing people's
0: money. So this is a good conversation. That's um, funny. Nah, I'm going to take this just to, to go back just one more time. I'm sorry. So that's what I did go back to before because I, I did like your, your response and I moved away from it. So because I know you, very well, and I have an extraordinary amount of trust in you compared to uh, you know, a standard politician i would be talking to. I trust you to use earmarks to get taxes enforced, but that's only because I have an extraordinary amount of trust in you. If I didn't know you, I would want to know specifically how are you going to use earmarks to get taxes enforced specifically on the wealthy and powerful?
1: Well, uh, simply by providing bonuses to tax collectors. I mean, it's pretty simple. Incentivize. Um, exactly. More than whatever counter
0: incentives might be being provided.
1: <laughs> well, also it it uh, is going to be um, ratio to what they bring in. Yeah. Uh, for example, one of the greatest uh, uh, sting operations was from the FBI having insiders in the mafia actually turn by guaranteeing mafia profits to those people. So <laughs> you can do the same thing and far easier with public companies. I mean if you have if you know someone that's trading or doing something <laughs> remarkably illegal, you can just have the government take their shares and give them to another person.
0: Let's make that my mod- I mean, story a talking point. Break that one out. People will remember it. People will pay attention if I'm starting to doze off. You say mod- what? <laughs> what was the times. It, was, it, it really it was does a massive amount a good, of corruption. Yeah, no, it makes a good example of of, of how you really can use your marks to get the laws enforced. You can use you, there are methods available, and you know it's it's happened, it's worked, and here's how it has worked in the past with the mafia. It's a it's an example we remember. It's a teachable moment. So I think uh, now, take hold that on and define it. it into like you know part of your stump speech. It's good. <laughs> So I yeah, I'm one. definitely
1: working on getting that stump speech out. Uh, I mean, I, I was uh, recently told that uh, you need to need to not seem like you're running for president, but I do feel like a representative is higher an office than the presidency. I mean, especially when you read the Constitution, the first line, the first word says representatives. So like, I don't know how I can't feel like I'm running for something greater than a national spotlight here, so well, yeah, I I'll mean, definitely try and refine that in. <laughs>
3: yeah, maybe like, there is only the, one it, president it's, it's and funny.
4: multiple
3: since, uh, representatives. Yeah, the since Biden, Biden people has people been person. in the in the Senate from the Senate. we had a moment of a uh, of has, Yeah, that s- since Biden has been in the Senate for so long, he still acting as if he's a senator even though he's a president like he's like uh, oh but i'm willing to negotiate over the check it's like damn it you're just do like just use your
1: leverage i know he's he he's doing a lot which is really really great but it's still a lot of the status quo i mean he's just doing a lot of things that we really already needed to have long done so we can talk about these more major things like getting every American the vaccine or getting every American health care or making sure that our economy can come back strong. I mean, just very, very basic things. I'm glad we're beyond the uh, basic of is government like uh, a thing we should have under Trump, but it's still very, very basic. Right. So just I think sad.
4: it's. I think it's cool that uh, you are uh, you understand the elevated position of uh, the representative as being, you know, of utmost importance. It's, it's, you're the direct connection to the people, and the president yeah. has a harder time doing that as a single person. That's the whole point of our representative democracy. Is the representative? <laughs> I like that I, very I,
1: much. I really believe it because uh, representatives really are the only ones that like know constituents. Like even knowing uh half a million people is going to be absurd. I'm going to have to create buckets where there's like a few thousand people in them just to, so I can barely understand people. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's it really is baffling to have the right. presidency called the highest office in the land when it's really not as far as our government is concerned. It might be as far as our military is concerned, but as far as what really matters,
3: not. Nah. Yeah. And, and, and seriously, you said military? Like, just the military industrial complex stuff. All this money does not need oh, to yeah. be going to, like, all this I'm, stuff. I'm going to have a yeah. field day <laughs> with the yeah, MI. <laughs> oh, right. I'm so it, excited. It's it, it it, such it, a it,
1: wonderful... It's yeah. w- such a wonderfully direct description of anti-capitalism to have mm-hmm. such a massive military... Not just to have such a massive military, but to have such a massively inefficient financing of that military and
3: you're saying that, What's and happening? your dad is a soldier, right, and you're and, and you're a military brat so so it must mean something coming from you, you no
1: know? oh yeah, it means a lot it it, it really means a lot for me because I remember my dad telling me how uh, and he was actually in a pretty high level position where he had to manage resources and people a lot, so mm-hmm. he was always branch of
4: the me. military, is that okay to? Oh, yeah, Air
1: Force. Um, He was in the Air Force. Cool. So he was always telling me how the military always wants you to do more with less. And even when there's less, you have to do even more. Um, And that mantra doesn't really make sense when you look at the massive scale of our military budget, because it's been increasing. Right. We've been adding hundreds of billions over the past decade to our military. But what you... Uh, realize when you start to get into it and figure out what the disconnect is, it really is our uh, military industrial complex. Having private for-profit companies who have a sole motive to sell guns, to sell bombs, to sell agents of capital destruction, their entire goal is to squeeze government debt out of a government and to force conflict onto the world stage, so that their pri- stock prices go higher.
3: It looks I like we need to. Uh, guess, you know,
4: that budget get isn't Wall being Street. used. The, the budget isn't being used to take care of the military and the people it's who you know, it consists of. It's used companies. to. It's used to sell things to the military exactly. and to sell uh, a new base somewhere or a new, uh, you know, a new exactly. engagement somewhere in the world. Uh, so that this conflict will continue to cost more money and uh, cost more lives, and uh, I know. truly
1: think that there is no amount of taxation that mm-hmm. the military-industrial complex can receive to justify the capital destruction it has wrought over the centuries of
3: being an American company. I, I think, think the and only and, way to and not not I, not I, to mention I, that, like if if you I'm have not. a pro- oh, um, it, I want it, to it, finish it. my thought here. Sure, sure. Um,
1: there's no amount of taxation the MIC can receive. I think the only way to truly receive capital justice in the world is to nationalize every single military contractor and military manufacturer and make it part of our armed forces so that we can reduce costs directly.
2: I think when uh, you were on and we were talking about your book Uh, We had discussed the differences that we would probably see in our culture and in our world if we had had our budget focused on a more um, humanistic side in the first place and hadn't had such a bloated military budget. Imagine the places we'd be scientifically, places we'd be humanitarian wise right now if we had prioritized things that made more sense for living human beings.
4: I'm going to say that China did that. And that's why they are able to surpass us at this moment. And I they, really believe... They really
1: are. And they're still playing capitalism at a very bare uh, level. Like, they may have a lot of people, so they're making it work, but they don't, they don't have the connection uh, to the f- uh, spirit of freedom, the spirit of the free market that America does. And once we do recognize that our military is actually a major budgetary weight... It is a trillion dollars a year to keep our military afloat. That is over 20, 20% of our tax revenue. You know, that's yeah, that's $400 a month in perpetuity to every single American forever if we get rid of the military like without right. any not, taxes or without anything else fucking around
3: and dollars. So
1: like not, not to mention uh,
3: uh, not, not to mention that like if you have a problem in your body with your biology hiring a bodyguard doesn't mean anything you know it's like if somebody has, has cancer you don't it's need it's more valuable in
1: right. these uh, modern fights against disease rather than nations and yeah. that's definitely going to be a major theme of my campaign is showing people that we are still in a bloody battleground fighting for survival, but it's no longer with blood and bullets. It's with money and thought and heart, culture,
4: technology,
1: and what people yeah. can do.
2: And the victims are the people that we're willing to ignore who are living in poverty, who die earlier, exactly.
1: who can not treatment, access to suffer. the technology that the rest of us do. And that is simply unjust. Now, I, I know yeah. people, uh, people like to rag that basic income is socialist or communist, but I can say, without a doubt, as a capitalist, there's nothing further from the truth. To not to mention the military-industrial
3: combat complex is that, socialist. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that you've got uh, all of these uh, ideas about changing changes in the military, even though your family is a military family. Hey, uh, there's I, a great I Air Force, Force base over there in here. Albuquerque, correct?
1: I, what's that?
4: There's an Air Force base there in, Al- in Albuquerque. Yes,
1: right? uh, we're actually one of the uh, most important Air Force bases. This uh, Kirtland Air Force base trains all of the other airmen in our Air Force.
4: So that's uh yeah, yeah, you're at the hub cool. of the um yeah. the Air Force uh, community, so you would get a chance to be able to represent some of them and I even I've though support
1: our troops, I think that they are doing a hard job with not enough, and they should be paid more, but you can clearly see that the way they're going to get paid more is by uh, taking the costs away from private companies that are just m- going beyond market manipulation and into cold-blooded um, yep. murder.
4: There's a Chinese saying, it's, uh, the Chinese saying is, uh, the Chinese saying is, uh, you use a soldier for one day, but you feed him for a lifetime. In order to just have, have that, uh, to have that soldier, you may have to spend a lifetime training him and feeding his family to make sure that you can use him on that one day you need him. So Mm -hmm. it's find it interesting. Oh, right. but i don't feel I, like we are doing well um, on the feeding aspect. i mean uh, i i like, think the, like, the lifetime support like, aspect we're not it, doing well
1: right it's not just the feeding aspect it's also the uh, per- capital purpose aspect like uh, we mm. will give you free college free health care and a decent uh living if you join the uh, army but if mm. you want to be a doctor you're going to be in debt starving and have a hell of a hard time
0: mm. right there's an old american expression a uh that's that's how we treat our best and,
3: uh, and and not to mention that like in in this you, you you know the thing is is that like people are not commodities you know we're actually humans so it's we're not we're not batteries that when the battery life you know is is no longer there you just throw them away but that seems to be the case that it's like, oh, you're no longer you know um, useful, you're expendable. Okay, bye, like, we don't care anymore. Yep. That's unfortunately disgusting. the uh,
1: mindset which uh, hourly wage puts a lot of us in. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's only a few people of our audience who will ever even listen to this, who will remember the days when one job paid for a house, a, a, a high education, a uh, car, and a retirement without any other support.
2: And that's not considering the disregard with which we treat people who were never able to contribute to the system in the first place due to circumstances outside of their own control.
1: Indeed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. our our, uh, government welfare programs definitely don't provide uh, service to citizens. They allow the government to say they did uh, the best they could while giving themselves the power to kill citizens in a new way,
4: so other than the UBI, uh, I don't think we spend a lot of time talking about UBI. Um, do, should we, Should we talk about UBI a little bit, or do you want some other policies you might be interested in? Because I remember asking Austin for his top five, and so far we've only gotten through two with you. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready to um, do you want to talk more about the UBI first, or do you want to talk about uh, some other policies? Yeah, let's
1: let's uh, move on to some our policies cuz I think most people understand what $2,000 a month means.
4: Okay. Um, Everything. Really? We talk about yeah. it a lot uh, with you here. So. Mm-hmm. So UBI uh, is uh everybody understands this program particularly, hopefully.
1: Yeah. Especially after uh, Yang's good work, like uh, we did such a good job pushing a basic income into the mainstream. Like uh um yeah, let's talk about uh, um, my uh, other few policies. Um, we are, I think we already talked about Medicare for All a bit. Uh, and you it, had
4: a different name for that. Yes. You wanted to do a, a different, slightly different naming of it.
1: Yes, yeah, just a slightly different framework, because um, I think people are more concerned about the uh, operational logistics of what changing to a government health care plan means rather than the finances of it. Because I'm sure most people don't care who pays their doctor as long as they know their doctor gets paid.
4: Uh, You'd be looking at a true single-payer system with the government.
1: What I advocate for is Mm -hmm. uh, to um, have Medicare for All alongside private insurances. Uh, Medicare for All being the American doctor network. So that every doctor across the country, no matter what skill, no matter what speciality, no matter what zip code, they are all part of the American doctor network. So you no longer are out of network or have unexpected fees or hidden charges because you uh, just chose the wrong doctor in the right hospital. Um, it, it really is a major uh, simplis- simplification I think, of our uh, insurance system to provide an opt-in plan for every American to just jump into and start seeing their, seeing a doctor. Now
4: what about uh, the doctors? Are they opt-in also or are they mandatory participation? If you want to operate as a doctor, you have to see our patients.
1: Um, I don't think it should be mandatory for seeing patients, but it should be mandatory that every doctor is in that network. So that if mm-hmm. you do happen to see a patient that is outside your network, you still get paid as a doctor.
4: Mm, okay, so the doctor doesn't uh, can choose to turn away patients, but the it's a but, free market. A doctor but, can mm, absolutely do that, but uh, the government is mandated to pay them.
1: Exactly, I like that. That way, that way the uh, the um, healthcare service has a lot more um, eager people to join it, knowing that there is a network that if you are a doctor, no matter what. You will be able to see patients, you will get paid, um, and it will provide a lot more security for Americans knowing that no matter what doctor or hospital you wind up in, if it is out of your primary insurance, you're still covered and you can get whatever procedure you need done.
4: To me, that's, um, see, that's putting power back into the hands of people when government uh, makes requirements of itself rather than making requirements of the people who participate in it. That's what that. I've always felt like, the difference between public education, where uh, they require you to, you know, they man- it's mandatory, you must all go to school. That's different than uh, the library system, the public library system, where the, the government provides it. You, you use it or you don't use it, but, you know, uh, it's like a pure good. It's just something we offer you, and you're going, you know, the city runs it, and it's going to uh, be provided. And so I, I like it when we uh, move towards that in terms of medicine or any sort of industry in our country, if where people just get more more of their power back. I love that's, that. That's
1: that's the that's what capitalism was made for, uh, especially back when uh, it was first coming onto the scene in the 1800s. It was a way for common people to organize and overthrow kings and queens, overthrow lords and take back land. So it it only makes sense to use the same mechanisms on our social issues, like not having access to healthcare, like having over-policing, like having uh, higher education become unaffordable.
4: Are are any of those your next, uh, you know, fourth and fifth, maybe?
1: I was just about to lead on to uh, college (laughs) for all. Um, I do believe in higher education and getting every American um, highly educated. We are a highly technical nation, and if you are not providing something that is uh, superior, superiorly unique or incredibly technical, you aren't going to make it well. Like in our broad global economy, you, I still think you should have a good life being an entry-level worker working at uh, fast food places all your life. But if you really want to provide for our global economy, you need to have education. I'm
2: um, curious, um, would you include vocational schools in that as well?
1: I actually come from a vocational school, so I completely include that. Uh, And the way I see that we can pay for it is pretty simply taxing large colleges um, by providing a financial tax to them on their hedge funds. It will incentivize them to stop putting money in speculation in the markets and to start putting it in to actual groundwork speculating in people, because that's what colleges Mm. are for, to find Grow and mature talent for our broader economy, and they aren't really doing that. They're just making money right now. That's all that they. But care what, a,
3: about. Uh, what 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 about like a K through twelve, which is all about like memorization and regurgitation? Don't so, you think? Like, yeah. yeah, there's like a lot. There's a lot
1: good with our current education go. system, oh, and okay. there's a lot wrong with our current public education system. Um, namely, our teachers are underfunded while our administrators have too much influence and pay. So we need to reduce the... Sorry,
4: guys. You saw me smiling, right? (laughs) I was like, kitty number two.
1: Yep, yep. My kitties are definitely wanting my attention. Um, They'll get it soon. They'll get it soon. Anyways, uh, back to college for all. Um, Public education. Uh, We need to reduce the salary of administrators, especially, like, superintendents. You don't see superintendents at schools. They have a very minor job managing a school district. They don't need to be sucking up million-dollar salaries. Um, And we can easily enforce a a law to limit that, as well as providing more funding to the Department of Education to actually get more funding to teachers. We do need to do a lot of restructuring with uh, the ways our students interact with information. Um, it, we are still really outdated in a lot of areas. We're still using uh, pen, paper, books, when some areas are using computers, tablets, and presentation boards. We can outfit every school in America with the highest-end technology to provide the most capable, honestly, education that they can get. I mean, these tools exist and we're just not getting them out to our people. And that's where the government needs to step in and say, our people need something.
2: Yeah, I absolutely like rural schools and such don't have anywhere near the technical levels. And how are kids going to be prepared to move out into a world that uses those technologies if it's not part of their daily training? Right.
1: I I actually came from a uh, school called Next Gen Academy. That was my high school. And it was uh, part of the new tech network of schools, which had the aim of provi- of doing one thing different from traditional school, providing students yeah. with as much technology as they could afford. We had smart mm. boards. Every student had their own laptop that they were issued. Um, and some of our uh, classes had advanced software like Adobe and um, uh, uh, website software. I can't remember the name of it, but it was um some website uh, software so we all learned how to edit footage how to uh create presentations how to speak publicly how to uh build a website and how to interact online uh we got all these things solely because we were using that technology
4: was that in back Eastside. in georgia
1: No, that's uh, here in New Mexico. New Mexico has a school.
4: Okay. That's
2: actually what I was happening
4: before was whether you were familiar with I'd like
2: to comment a little bit more on the disparity of that while we're on the subject. So if that's okay, because in contrast, my son, nonverbal, needs a communication device to be able to speak and talk to anybody. The schools would not get him an electronic communication device until he was over 10 years old. And then they wouldn't let him bring it home so that he could communicate with us at home. We ended up having to pay out of pocket, and uh, it was supposed to be covered by the school or by our insurance. Nobody would cover it, and it's a necessary thing for him. So, yeah, we do need to level that out. Hearing that is almost, like, infuriating for me, knowing that 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 level of um, stuff is issued to people in some places and that it's deprived of me to the point my nonverbal child can't even
1: have his voice. That's... That's where our capitalist democracy has been failing for decades. The point of having capitalism, the point of having democracy in one nation was so that we'd have the free market to find new innovations and to provide higher quality. And then we'd have the government to standardize that quality to every single citizen across the nation. And we have not been doing that. We've been allowing the free market to rage wildly on its own Without supporting
3: everyone yeah. else. And, use and not to mention the very important fact that schools are so separate from the rest of our reality and lived experience. Like I always had the idea that schools can like take us to see like, th- th- this may sound random, but like a grocery store. How do they order their food? How how, how, how do the, the, the people behind the registers work? Or how, how do these people ring things up and and how does a balance sheet for like like a regular you know store works like like okay, like a like a, a national park? Like what what's the park rangers job? You know, thing oh let's see a scientist, let's let's go to their actual place of business, see what they're doing, how they're doing it, how the money works. No it's all theory. It's all just like, oh, it here's, here's the textbook. Well, you know, is... like let's see the actual things so, as they happen. You know, I am is...
1: I am completely for having more hands-on classes in schools, especially public education, um, because you're right. It is far too much theory, and I didn't realize how bad public education was on that until I got into college and started doing actual labs. Like the difference between public education and college in the way you learn is so radically different. You practically do have to relearn relearning.
2: Well, they do give classes on critical thinking in college, right? Which is something that you do not Some. get generally
1: in. So the, thing, uh, with, grade the school. thing with college is it's not mandated. So college, you can create uh, largely your own framework of classes, largely your whatever program you want to go into. So it's not that you're always going to get critical thinking skills from your classes in college. That's something that should be in public education so that we have critical thinking adults voting in our democracy.
2: It should absolutely. That's what that's what I was leading to. It's something that we teach sometimes in college. It's something that we should absolutely be teaching from the from the moment they're in school. Like kindergarten. they should be learning critical thinking before they're learning to count.
1: The easiest thing we can do to uh, step away from the theory learning is simply have more social engagement or project-based learning. So uh, I understand the concerns that some parents may have about having hands-on labs for kids that are under 18. Um, There could be concerns, there could be dangers, but I'm going to be real with you. We are primates who used to swing from tree to tree we have dangers of simply breathing. So it's kind of absurd to say someone shouldn't learn something because some other person may get hurt.
2: Well, on top of which, it's not like we can't do labs that are child safe. They're, we can As develop I was, projects around the
1: need. I was, I was actually uh, alluding to that is in project-based learning. You can have uh, groups of students work on the same project their way and create their own hierarchy of decision-making and understand what working with other people is with themselves before right. they get into the broader economy, where you're just thrown into a exactly, higher- Exactly,
3: exactly. I, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't, it's it's like, you you don't tell me about any of these things, and then you're just like, here you go, figure it out on your own. It's like, sorry, but like, you, you had 12 years. Shame on you for not preparing <laughs> you for all those 12 years. You, you and- Erica, if she makes it to Congress, I'm going to get along so well. I can just
1: oh, say I'm now. so excited to have so many good debates on the floor about true political questions. Like how mm-hmm. much basic income is too much? How should we enforce our laws? What drugs are actually so dangerous we should have the government regulate them? Like these how are much basic re- income is too much, Sheridan. I honestly think that you can I mean, wants
4: to know. <laughs> I think
1: that you can go as high on basic income as you have a lack of productive capacity. So for example, America has a productive capacity of seventy-three percent right now, which means we are losing about twenty seven percent of our potential economy. So you can fund people with basic income up to hundred percent productive capacity. And you'll see no inflation. You'll see no demand pull. Things will just work like they should. Um, and I, but I would say once you get beyond 100%, maybe 103 105%, then you may start to see some inflation tick up and you may want to scale back. Well, no. You want to increase taxes if you're starting to see too much inflation, always. Taxes are how you control inflation
4: will uh, some of those numbers disappear? Like those measurements are going to change once you have a UBI. Like what are you going to measure then? Cause everybody's being productive. <laughs> yeah. And that's, those are amazing
1: political questions. Those are the kinds of questions Congress should be asking itself, but we don't yeah. get those kinds of questions. We get questions like, should we help the American people during this national crisis?
4: I just wanted to, uh, to, uh, sort of uh put provide a little background for ariel's comment he was mentioning someone named erica and erica is erica rhodes is that correct who is a teacher and out in uh, california who is also running for congress right now is she running for a congressional district
1: she is she's also running as a representative
4: okay so that's why you're like i'm gonna meet her there when i I am i am
1: she's so cool i'm so excited to meet her
4: I don't yeah. know what uh, it just happened to your lighting, but it's now like perfect. I really like it. Yeah, it, I, I, it was <laughs> it uh, a cloud. Darker. A cloud. Uh, a
0: cloud.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, Thanks, New Mexico, cloud. we do have one major export, which is sun. If you want Ooh. sun, you come to New Mexico. We got Florida They're beat, down. we got California beat, we got everywhere in the nation beat. We get 360 days of sun on average.
4: Hundred and sixty. Yeah, I think you need to give yeah. some of those over to Seattle over there. <laughs> well, I mean... want to um, ask
2: one more thing regarding uh, the UBI thing with the how much is too much. I, oh. still remember, I still remember when we had our first conversation about your book that you recommended giving everybody, what was it, $100,000 upon turning 18? Yes. Is that something that you still endorse?
1: I... My, everything in my book I still 100% endorse. Um, it is my thoughts um, and I would like to see them happen. I do not think it is uh, something I can do in this political moment to get a yeah. cash grant to new adults, though I think it is still something that every social capitalist should fight for because if we get um, boosts at important moments in life, we can truly change our lives for the better. And turning an a ad- Becoming an adult legally is one of the most important turning points for any person's life, and giving the right them huh? exactly giving them the amount of money that they need to buy a house, start a business, or to uh, make the world a better place is the least we can do. Because a basic yeah. income is not for that. A basic income is to provide every citizen a good life. That's
2: and crank up their potential to benefit society too.
1: It right. does, but that's not what a basic income is for. That's why I talk about like how high is too high for a basic income, because uh, that's a good discussion. How much but, money but should the government be paying so that people have good lives, oh. and how well, much should I... the government be taxing from the very successful people?
3: Well, I kind of think about it as like a, a tree. Like you don't you don't water a tree after it's done growing, right? And that's the kind of thing that I see when people expect people with nothing to create something. Give them something to work with first, and then they'll create. You don't tell them, start with nothing, create something, and then I'll give you something after that. It, it, j- just like how you don't tell like like kids that are born, provide for your yourself first, and then I'll provide for you. You know, and everything has a starting point. And I think that if we had this same
1: discussion, even like 50 years ago, like just before the uh, civil rights movement, um, we would absolutely have a basic income right now. Um, I truly think that this delay in getting basic income truly has been just a misunderstanding of human progress. Because before, when capitalism was working fantastic with jobs alone, uh, you had lots of empty value, lots of empty land, lots of empty possibility where people could actually build things and make infrastructure that they can profit from. But now, as we are maturing as a capitalist nation, we have a lot of infrastructure. We have so much infrastructure, we are actually having a hard time making that infrastructure high quality. And... It's not like we don't have the labor to do that. It's that we don't have the political motivation to scale up what we can do.
4: And we're not measuring the right measurements. Um, so is, is changing the measurements of society going to be one of your uh, major yes. uh, things? Is that the yep. last one or did I hit it? Um,
1: no, it's actually not in my five-point plan. My five-point plan is very specific, actionable policies. Um, I do intend to ah. get the American scorecard Uh, 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 adapted and brought up in Congress so that we can uh, start utilizing it, because I think that it is a great uh, metric catalog for congressional members and for our government at large. I do still think that our current major economic measures are good for market traders and for um, entrepreneurs working at a national scale, but you're right, we do need new and more apparent measurements for localized economies. Um, we have lots and lots of data about like employment and what companies we have that exist, but we don't have a lot of metrics on what demand exists. So if we could uh, make that more apparent, we would have a lot more innovation coming through as well.
3: Right. right. And whether people are like socially and emotionally neglected, I mean, connected to the job that they have. (laughs) I said neglected because when when I know I worked in an office, I was bored out of my brain. Like, I, I, I couldn't stand it. But when I worked at a Best Buy, even though the pay wasn't really that awesome, and sometimes they caught an hour, I was attached to my work because I like technology and I like, you know, games and all that stuff. And I like like computers. So there was a difference, even though the pay was the same, the attachment to my work and the kind of connection I had to it actually mattered, but they don't me- measure that. They just say, Oh, people just have jobs. That's it. And, and there's a good
1: reason why that has been historically true. And there's a better reason why we do need to change it. Initially governments were, cause you have to remember we are primates that came from dirt mm-hmm. So building our government was remarkably difficult. And we only cared about making the government continue to survive, bringing up tax revenue. And the only way you do tax revenue is by taxing jobs or uh, monetary transactions with a currency. So that's why the focus on jobs has been so prevalent. But now we're starting to see beyond the breakdown of jobs, the political loss of the job connection. Uh, mm-hmm. like you were mentioning how you were more engaged at a different job that was focused on uh, mm-hmm. more, more of your passion. Uh, government is kind of the same way. They're kind of only focused on their legacy and the uh, tax rate that they can pull up um, rather than immediate problems. So. Uh,
4: did you, uh, did you get a chance to tell us what our, what your fifth one was? Because I'm not.
1: Oh, I'm, uh, I sorry. Yeah. It was, it was uh, so my, we're on the fifth one, and it's yeah. uh, pay down our debt, which is oh, okay. basically have a slew of new taxes come about that are specifically targeted to our deficit, so that everything that is new tax revenue goes directly to paying down our principal. So I that gotta we be honest,
2: I am kind of hoping you were meaning something else by that. I know that sounds weird, but I was hoping that you were meaning that you would help uh, people pay down their debt, so that way they'd be free of the debt that's been placed upon them so
1: i i am fully behind the uh goal as a social capitalist to have zero debt in our country but i am a capital national deficit to pay it down um the basic income is what's going to really help pay individual debts and help restructure individual lives
4: um now okay i i don't know about uh I have an issue with the paying down the federal debt because I believe that the federal debt is actually our money supply. And so when you pay it down, you're destroying money, like you said. Um, actually, you know, I have,
1: uh, so, there's there's another um, line of uh, thinking that uh, the reason we have our federal debt is to make importing and exporting easier in the global economy. Um, well, so that forex, forex is actually weaker or our dollar is weaker as a result.
4: So I if think we, we may- make... Yeah, we may need to schedule a time to actually talk more about the federal debt. And I think that that's going to be a big topic we won't be able to cover adequately today.
1: It is. Um, I'll, I'll cover uh, my plan briefly. Okay. Uh, my initial plan is to have a 20% value-added tax across the entire economy, exempting um, hygiene and health care and basic food goods. But every other transaction in our economy will have that new value-added tax Uh, There will be a few sector-specific taxes uh, for healthcare insurance and financial markets to help reduce their sector-wide inflation. And there's going to be a few um, uh, creature comfort taxes to help reduce annoyances in our life, like advertisements. Mm. They can get taxed at 50% easily. Um, Nice. And all of those will go down to pay down our federal deficit which should strengthen our dollar in Forex markets, making it easier for you to buy things uh, abroad and um, making uh, your uh, money more valuable in and of itself. So, So I I will
2: say one more thing regarding the um, debt thing that I was saying. Just so you understand my position, I do um, agree that we do need to pay down our national debt, but um, the amount of debt a lot of Americans have is unreasonable even considering a basic income. Because our system is exploitative of debt against the pot, the poor, because it can be. so It, it really I,
1: can I, be, especially with uh, uh, payday loans, with um, shady car dealers, healthcare debt, and especially school debt are all very exploitative and are a, a drain on our economy. They are actual cash not being spent on consumer goods and higher qualities of life
4: mm. I don't
2: so know, but put,
1: put, uh, squash those debts down as well because they are immoral debts just like the income tax is an immoral tax
4: so I, I agree there yeah I think we we do agree that um, that consumer debt is some of the worst debt that is that is happening right now and the federal debt is looming over us. Um, I have some differences of opinion there, but we can talk about it another time. Really appreciate you coming here today, um, Sheridan, yeah, uh, to talk about your run. Uh, thank you for running because uh, we need more people like you in government, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. And we'll be here to support you throughout your campaign. Um, indeed,
1: I'll, I'll definitely come back again for an update once we uh, start having rally the rally circuit begin.
4: Yeah, you said that uh, you have a website now. I think I tried to go to I it.
1: Um, it's Lund twenty twenty two dot com.
4: Okay, I must have typed in twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's twenty twenty one now. That scarring year is over.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, but then it sounds like twenty twenty two. It's like it's not going to happen again. <laughs> also, <laughs> so okay, a- very good. Um, is that how you would like people to connect with you? Do you want to give out your yeah. Twitter
1: and other other ways? Uh, that's That That website is the main way you can uh, donate or contact my cam- campaign. Um, we do have uh, positions open and we are hiring for them. Um, uh, you can also check out my uh, Twitter at LUN 2022 for our campaign announcements and uh, my personal account at JSaberGamer on Twitter. Um, our YouTube channel is also up and I believe we have a Facebook page now, but I haven't quite linked that on the website yet. Uh, but, yeah, we should be on all the major social networks now. So you can link up with our campaign however you want. And we have an Act Blue. Um It's not quite on the site yet. I still need to uh, put that in, but we do have one.
4: Okay, nice. that's coming soon to the website. And uh, the make really sure you join Tim.
0: I'm very glad Definitely. you have that. It's not
1: just legitimizing. ActBlue only takes 4%, but using uh, Stripe and Squarespace, they take a combined 7%. Mm. So we'll be getting more money to our campaign directly using the Act Blue link. Yeah, excellent. Very good. More Indeed.
0: Excellent.
1: That's yeah, all about building that efficiency.
0: Yeah. 3% is okay. a lot with, at a scale. It really, really is.
2: I think we're right. at outro time, though, huh? Yeah. I
1: think that's what yeah, yeah. kind of
4: like alluding to. So basically, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> corralling everyone. <laughs> Love to hear Ariel tell us about what he's doing lately. Um, thank you for introducing all, us all to leyline. I think we've all been participating uh, a little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I uh,
3: what it is? I uh, I I I told them because because Sheridan is such a special guest. I, I I'm just going to listen to the recording of today's Q and A. So I would have I would have jumped out at uh, twelve. So yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but we have yeah yeah. So oh, so you- Ariel, it's been
1: a. Been a blast.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, so at Leyline, I think it's just the thing. But I think on uh, February seventh, I'm gonna have an interview with uh, Tom at Nerds for Yang. I was I was promised that, and I'm just gonna talk about yeah. like uh, what what I see as a problem that is clout culture. I think a lot of times, uh, people people who are just comfortable and happy and have enough, they they get the spotlight. They, they, they get they get the light shined on them, but the people who actually need help and are struggling and do have a message to send are ignored. They're, they're shunned. And I'm going to say it should be the opposite way around. If that person is on the top, don't give that person all the attention because he's already there. But if there's a person that's on the bottom or trying to make their way up, I, that person is the one who needs the attention and the help and the clout and all of these things. We have it all wrong. We have it all wrong and that's that's the point that, that I want to make on his uh, show. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely
1: listen to that one. Uh, I'm working with Tom with his uh, website of Us. I'm trying nice. to uh, connect as a candidate on his site to help do just that. Uh, we really do Good. have a attention economy that is in a uh, hierarchical position to push the t- uh, the top up um, whereas yeah. if we, if we had even a basic income or more of a attentive culture we would definitely see a lot more of the voices that need to be heard getting heard but because of the advertising and scarcity of our uh, climate right now um, it's so hard to fight against that cloud
3: yes Exactly, but we're all in it together, and 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 some and and, and it's like you shouldn't just have to get clout you know, since you're you're streaking naked in the middle of a football game, or or you do something stupid, or or, or you rob a bank. You know, it, it decent people deserve attention whether or not they can just entertain you for five seconds or make a make a make some kind of dog and pony show.
1: And that's—I definitely support the uh, progressive ca- caucus of the Democrats, where they say that we need to regulate the attention economy so that people who uh, want to be part of our economy don't get crowded out by the uh, big influencers. Oh, yeah,
3: a hundred percent. So Ariel, did 100%. you
4: did you give your yeah. um, Twitter and things like that? Or yeah,
3: I'll, I'll do that right now. Okay. Uh, okay so find me at Ariels. Ariel, So that's A R I E l s a e r i a l s on Twitter and uh, you can find me uh, you can go to youtube.com slash revolutionary thinking it's Ariels Ariels on Instagram too and I now have a link tree that's uh Ariel 2022 right. nice. nice. I need to set up my um, own link tree there
4: yeah and Mia Thanks. Mia has the uh, wins the best t-shirt today <laughs> I yeah, think
1: <laughs> indeed best cancel
4: t-shirt. poverty cancel
1: Excellent. it, cancel it all it is, yes. it is built into our system it is yeah. a feature of this neoliberal capitalist system that we currently have and it is to must be abolished go. yeah, abolished
2: everybody must go. Um, on that note uh, everybody, you should pay attention on February 4th, there is an invoice from the people uh, movement going on from basic income where mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be demanding our 2k that is owed to us 2k per month that is owed to us so uh, take a look into that. That is going to be a lot of fun. I plan on doing something about it. If I can find a way to print the letter out, I will be joyful. But I don't have a printer because I live in poverty and something as simple as a printer is too much. Um, I like
1: particularly to the that, ink. I like to think that I am uh, working poor right now. I pulled myself just above poverty. And yeah, a printer is not at all something uh, any one of the lower classes can properly afford. It has so much maintenance cost and its upfront cost is just... We buy them
2: when they're food. on sale for like 30 bucks and then we use them until they run out of ink and we end up having to throw them away because the ink is more expensive than the printer itself. Indeed. That's an incredible
4: story yeah. of capitalism yeah. gone awry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> we, we, have we
3: have to change the, the capitalism <laughs> that we have right now to capitalism. Because I call it crapitalism. Because this is a bunch of crap. That's what we have right now. It is. Uh, I want to
2: ask if I can keep anybody who's staying or going to be on the show Sunday for about five minutes afterwards, because I need to discuss with you the guests for tomorrow. Uh, so I volunteer. For. And also, um, I should give my sign-off information. I am <laughs> Mia Songbird on Twitter at Mia Songbird. I am Yesongbird on Frey.World. You can talk to me every week, Tuesdays and Fridays, on Humanity Hangs. I love to have actual conversations with people. You show up, we talk, one-on-one, well, not really one-on-one, one-on-five. There's a lot of people there sometimes. But we'll have a conversation. I'd like to see people there. I love it when people show up. Lots of fun. We talk about politics. Um, and then, of course, I do this. And tonight, I think I'm doing something with voice for the low. We are going to be doing some sort of panel, so you can watch tonight, and that'll be fun. I have a lot of fun, guys. I keep saying
4: fun, cool. so you know it's true. Okay, <laughs> I'll, le- I'll, let, I'll let you move on now. I don't All think right. you can be a mom of boys and not have fun. Like this is their job. Like for the next eighteen <laughs> years, is to have as much fun as possible. So, fun fun yeah. You're, you're in charge of that. So uh, my name is Faye Ku, and I'm in Palestine, Texas. So you can find me at Palestine math on uh, Twitter and the Yang Gang report on um, Facebook. Okay. Go ahead. Shale. I'm done.
0: All right. Uh, let me just uh, unmute. Uh, no, yes. All right. Great show guys. Uh, my name is Shale. My Twitter is Shale Riley. S H A E L R I L E Y. Thank you so much for giving us your time and attention. We had some really good uh comments in the YouTube, so thank you for that. And um if there were bad technical problems, I'm gonna check the stream and I'll upload the video. So I know we had some 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 issues. But anyway, thank you again. Um we'll be back tomorrow with who's our guest tomorrow? I'm just talking about Harry it. Hirsch.
4: Harry Hirsch. Hirsch. Hirsch.
0: All right, that's four to six, right? Four to six Eastern? Eastern. Okay, great. So Harry Hirsch, four to six Eastern. Sheridan, thank you again. We will uh we'll talk to you again soon. Um, goodbye everybody.